This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're celebrating a third NCAA championship in the last four years for the women's rowing team. Plus, Catherine Cook and Adedire Fakaridi finished their careers in style at the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships as All-Americans. And the men's tennis duo of senior Ben Rosen and sophomore Jacob Coppola earned All-America honors as well. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates women's rowing team left no room for doubt on Saturday, winning both grand finals to take home the Bobcats' second straight national championship and their third in the last four years. The first Varsity 8 won its first gold medal at the NCAA championships in program history. Led by first-year coxswain Liza Folsom, Bates defeated runner-up Ithaca by about four seconds in the grand final. It was pretty tight up until the 1K. Um, Ithaca was up on us for a little bit, but as soon as I said they were up, the girls were like, no way, and immediately shot ahead. Senior captain Olivia Stokely describes her reaction when Bates crossed the finish line. I think it was just pure joy. I mean, you know, you'd like to think in the last 250, you're like, okay, I have it. I think I'm going to get it, but you never, anything can happen in the last 250 of a race. So um, to, to have held Ithaca off and to have really given it our all was just an incredible, incredible feeling. The second Varsity 8 won its fifth straight gold medal at the NCAA Championships, but it was not easy. The Bobcats finished second to Wellesley in their heat on Friday. Then they rallied and outraced the Blue by a little more than a second in Saturday's grand final. Senior Captain Grace Jerkovich looks back on the narrow win. Yeah, I mean, we definitely got pushed um, in that in the heat and then again in the final more than we have pretty much all season. So um, it really was kind of actually seen that Wellesley was going to put up a huge fight um, in the heat and then adjusting for that in the final. And that's something the coach talked us through and he really described it as kind of like um, poking the bear awake. Um, and so like we were ready for that. We knew that they were going to kind of hold us neck and neck the entire way. Um, so then going out there and knowing that we were going to have to give it our all um, and then being able to do that because we were prepared. Mentally. Speaking of Coach Steenstra, he joined the Bobcast to recap the NCAA championships for the women and to preview this weekend's IRA national championships for the men. That race was months, if not years, in the making. It was uh, something that they had been very prepared for and focused on, and they had been racing at that almost the exact same pace and the exact same uh, strategy-wise going through the 2,000 meters. Nothing about that was anything at all interesting or exciting, and that's exactly why they're national champions is because they're they're just flat out that much better. Yeah, it's interesting. There wasn't much drama at all, really. I mean, yeah. Williams wasn't even in the grand final. Wasn't that weird? Yeah, no. <laughs> no I mean, we obviously we knew that, but it, yeah. we were focused more on the boats that, that were going to have the real speed to compete. and. Yeah. And so we knew that it would be um, somewhere in that second 500 meters, uh, Ithaca would make a very strong move. They're always quick off the line, so we kind of expected that anyway. Uh, but it was through that second 500 that we knew we'd be able to establish our dominance in the piece. Um, and then if you, anyone who watches the video, you can see that there was no way that anyone was going to be able to haul them in 
through that second thousand meters. They were the second thousand was kind of like a, a victory tour at that point. <laughs> right, right. And you know, you mentioned before I, there's a lot of experience. If I was looking through it, there's there were three seniors in that boat, yeah. right? So there's still a lot of people coming yeah. back. Yeah, try not to tell anybody. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, three seniors in the boat. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the second boat. Uh, what do we have? Two in there plus a coxswain. So, mm-hmm. um, or I'm no, sorry, three. But um, yeah, either way, you you slice it. We're losing 21 seniors out of an entire group of 60 plus people. That's men and women included. Mm-hmm. So a third of the program is is graduating, and so it, mostly what that is is a big portion of the the personality of the team. Mm-hmm. When you have one large class that's working its way through, um, the program is going to inevitably take on the personality of that group. How about the venue? Because that was obviously new for everyone. What were your impressions of it? Beautiful race course. Um, it's the only place we've ever been to where it's a piece of water specifically designed for rowing, designed and built for rowing. Yeah. So to have a whole um, warm-up portion of the of the water and then even like, you know, a, I don't even know what they call it, the back channel in order yeah. to, like you go through, through the race course and you come back on a back channel that, you know, was built for, so that the entire system is in a big circle. It's just, uh, it was a great experience for them. It was cool for me to be there and see it for the first time. Um, no one can control the weather and yeah. Florida is going to be Florida and uh, that's just the way it goes and we, there was a lot of rain and so the whole place turned into a giant mud pit but everyone kind of took that with a smile and just kept going. Yeah, it definitely was very muddy on land but it sounded like the water conditions were perfect. Water conditions were perfect yeah. especially on the final day. Mm. We thought we were fully expecting 15 mile an hour crosswinds mm. And it turned into almost glass. I mean, we might have there might have been two or three mile an hour puffs here yeah. and there, but there was nothing. It was really, really nice. Second varsity eight finished second to Wellesley in their heat on Friday. Was that surprising to you? Is that surprising to the people in the boat? Um, surprising that we lost. Well, surprising that Wellesley was that fast, I guess. Um, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. We we always expect Wellesley in particular to get mm-hmm. faster. They're very well coached. Um, we knew that they would get better anyway, so that's something we fully expected. Um, I, you never expect to lose <laughs> a heat or something like that, but I think that uh, the women responded to it very well. Uh, the only thing I kind of mentioned to them was that they're at, at the end of that loss. You know, that's the first time they were challenged, so they got better that day, and uh, we and then they showed that in the final. Yeah, in the final they were down there a little bit, but then they rallied. What did you see from them over the last what five hundred there? I saw their true speed, yeah. and, and they felt their full potential in the second half of that race course. Excellent. Now let's look ahead a little bit to IRAs coming up this weekend. Obviously, maybe different expectations, if you will, but you're the same in, in a way because you still want the, the expectations to go as fast as possible, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the expectations based on the rest of the rowing world is that we're supposed to go there and be last. Mm. So when you take that approach and you start to look at who else is involved in the race. There's groups that they're both that we're just not going to catch. And so we shouldn't even plan on that. We're not going to, we're not going to do the old pie in the sky thing and, you know, shoot for the stars and land on the moon, all that nonsense. We're not going to do any of that. This is going to be, let's surgically go into this thing. Let's figure out who we can go after. We're going to race four times, no matter what we're supposed to finish last. So let's see who we can pick off along the way. Um, the heats and land assignments just came out, so we know who's yeah. in that race now. And 
and this morning at the end of practice and the guys loaded the trailer and, and I said you know, we kind of got together and chatted um, and we just need to treat all four races like a grand final mm-hmm. because you know in our op- opening heat there's Cornell when are we ever going to chan- get a get a chance to race the Cornell varsity eight again mm-hmm. right so let's just see what you can do against that varsity eight and same thing with Penn and and so on and so forth and then once you get through the heat and you're in the reps, which is what, exactly where we should be, then then there's going to be three other boats that we probably have never seen before, and let's see who we can beat in that group and just continue on through the regatta that way. It's not a matter of you know figuring out how to get through the race and, and hoping to save the best for last and all that. No, 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 no. no. We're not going to overthink this thing. Let's just go and line up every chance we line up, and every time they say the word go, we give it everything we've got. Is it kind of weird as a coach to go from being expected to win the national title to being expected to finish last or something? It is quite different, yeah. yeah. It's quite different. Um, you want to, with the women, it was um, trying to calm them down in some ways because mm-hmm. a lot of them were getting very excited, and, and obviously they were feeling the pressure of the, that expectation to win. And the guys are getting all excited because there's no expectation from the outside world for us to do much of anything there. Um, it, at the, at this moment, we're kind of the novelty group and we're, we're getting emails of congratulations from all the big time people and coaches and everything else. And we appreciate all that, but, um, you know, we're, we're going in this thing to, to pick a fight and see who we can get on top of. Well, and I saw Maris got in, right? And that's, yep. that's a team you are, that's a crew you already beat, right? We've already beaten them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's a few others that we're pretty excited about because mm-hmm. on paper we have every reason to think we can get in front of them. From uh, the two crews that are coming in from San Diego, and then Temple and and uh, St. Joe's out of Philadelphia, those are two crews that I think are are within our reach. And certainly, if it ends up that we're all in the in the fourth level final together, then great. It's going to be an awesome race, no matter what. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts on this past weekend, and uh, where does the women's program go from here? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were to ask any one of the women on the team, I think the answer to that is we go right back to the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> We say goodbye to the seniors, and we welcome in the new freshman class, and uh, then we start up the mountain again. It was an All-American Thursday for the Bates track and field teams at the NCAA Outdoor Championships, with seniors Catherine Cook and Adedire Fakariti bringing home hardware. Seated 12th in the 10,000 meters, Cook raced to the finish in 35 minutes, 17.48 seconds finished second in the nation in the event. She finished over 40 seconds ahead of the third place finisher and shattered her own team record in the event by over 20 seconds. She finishes her cross country and track career as a four-time All-American. And her national runner-up performance in the 10,000 meters is the best finish for a woman in an NCAA championship race in Bates track history. Women's head coach Jay Hartshorn looks back on Cook's performance and the trip as a whole. She went into the meet, I think, seated 12th or 13th, but we weren't really paying attention to that because uh, the goal was to run 110K before nationals and to just sort of run a pretty comfortable race. So when she ran her qualifying at Nezcax and won, we just set her up on a pace and said, we know this will get in and just sort of stay here and then we'll see how it feels. So she felt like that race had been really comfortable. So I had definitely much higher expectations as she did going into it um the woman that won um from Ithaca felt a little bit untouchable but I was so proud of her for going after her and you know trying to make it happen 
Yeah, and she got second place by a fairly wide margin, too, right? Yeah, it was um, a really, really weird race. So they had moved it from a noon start time till 8.45 a.m. start time because of the heat, um, which was really nice because then we got to see D-Ray throw after. So that was um, our sort of biggest bonus. But people were pretty weary of the heat. And I watched the men run before, and I was feeling a little like, ah, like it looks hot out there, and that's how – um, the race sort of went that some people looked like they were kind of wilting because of the heat. So I wanted her to be a little bit more conservative than she ended up being. Um, so the woman who won just went out and kind of went after it, and Catherine sort of followed her out. So that woman opened up a big lead on Catherine, and then Catherine opened up a huge lead on the field. So she was running like 85 seconds per lap whereas the field was running 88s at the beginning so quickly, you're sort of gathering a lot of time there. Um, and then there was probably with like eight laps to go, Catherine certainly was running faster than the leader at that point. And then three laps to go, the leader sort of put the hammer down and opened it right back up to the margin that had been most of the race. I believe Catherine was the only one to set a PR in this race. I know PRs are kind of rare at nationals, right? Um, probably in the distance, yeah. certainly more so. Um, but yeah, in in most people, you know, weren't really anywhere near their PRs. Um, so the the women who ended up being all American, if I had looked at the sheet before, it kind of felt like okay, these were the kids that I thought had the best chance, or you know, should be in the mix. But um, there's a few women who ran really, really smart by just taking it a little bit easier the first couple miles and then looked really good um, the last couple miles. So it really was a funny race. Once you got like three to four miles in you, and lapping started happening, you couldn't really, you couldn't just walk to the track and figure out what was going on. Right. You would have had to really been watching it to know who was passing who and who was getting lapped yeah. and who was getting unlapped. Um, so it was, it didn't really seem like a nationals race in that way. And runners are probably having to keep track of that in their minds also. Like, oh, this person I already lapped. It's not like I'm now just going ahead of them, right? <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit because it certainly felt a little um, like people going back and forth. And Catherine said the whole way she sort of had this feeling that people were closer to her than they really were. So she was sort of running scared. I think the second half of the race where and I guess we had never told her, oh, you have a, you know, a pretty sizable lead on third um, because once the lapping starts happening and the cheering starts happening you can't really figure out what what's really going on in the race as as an athlete so how hot was it there um so it was hot and humid <sighs> and a warm wind oh. <laughs> so it was sort of a trifecta of like ugh. Um, and it actually was so for the sprint races it was they were running into a significant headwind we didn't really talk about that because it was so hot so it probably like felt like 80 during the race or something like that like because it was one of those days because the humidity that feels like was hotter than the temperature um so we were probably getting pretty close to 80 at that point but the temperatures on um friday and then saturday for the 5k in particular were like closer to feels like 90 plus so really really hot what was Catherine's uh, feelings when she crossed the finish line? What did you talk to her about? Um, I think she felt, you know, really sort of satisfied, satisfied with the race. Um, one thing I was asking her about, you know, once we made the decision to only run the 10K, um, I said I thought it was good because I thought during the race you could really be like, this is it, versus like, oh, I'm going to do this again in two days. And because the race was so difficult, 
she said that really helped her to sort of feel like, okay, keep going because this is it. And she said, you know, if she has like running and thinking, oh my gosh, I have to do this again. It's going to be even hotter in two days. That would have been um, definitely harder. So I think um, after she was like happier with the decision just to run the 10K and really sort of put it out there um, versus trying to do both. Um, but yeah, that was, it was just a pretty quick turnaround because we were like, all right, let's get back, let's shower, let's eat, then let's go see D-Ray, and then we drove to the airport, so we just kind of were like going all day, really. Got to watch D-Ray, obviously. That, in the first two throws, he was what, like 13th, so that third throw was huge. What was everyone's reaction when they uncorked that one? Yeah, <laughs> it was a little, uh, it was definitely a little bit dicey. So the first throw, I felt like, okay, like, that's workable. If he builds on it, it's great. And then the second throw was bad, and I was like, oh, no. Um, and then when he got that third floor throw in and moved up to third, it was just like I felt relieved. And then I'm sure I didn't feel a quarter of the relief that he felt or yeah. Coach Fresh felt. <laughs> they were both just like, thank goodness. Yeah. And, like, literally you could hear, you could see D-Ray just raise his arms and be like, thank goodness. We, you know, had it on video, and it was just like – it was just really like pure relief. But the other thing that was really special about it when I I talked to Fresh, you know, between trials and finals, and we were both just like, oh, phew, you know, like that's great. Um, but then seeing D-Ray right after, I think because the other two outdoor nationals have been pretty difficult, like right. the fact that this was better, like he was genuinely sort of one of the happiest kids I've ever seen in that moment so sometimes you come in and you know like oh I'm 15th and you come in 14th and it's all fine it's all good or sometimes you come in like Catherine and do really well and it's like great that's all good but there's something different about like the struggle he had been through the last two years in outdoor um and the sort of like relief slash happiness that comes along with that and he had to kind of really sort of persevere through it and then um, the other thing that was really awesome to see was his final series, even though he got passed by one kid, was really good. Yeah. So once he got that first one in, the other ones were also really good. So it wasn't just like one good throw. It was showing like, no, I am a good thrower, and this is what I can do. So. Yes, when you bring up outdoors, I mean, it's all, it seems like outdoors is just a different beast from indoors in so many ways, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's in some ways actually more schools, yeah. you know, and then you've got sort of weather things. So last year... What really happened in the discus was it just the skies opened up like right as they were going. And so he got in for the warm-ups and he had like a, ba a bad fall in warm-ups. And that right there is really hard to come back from um, just because you can't move in the circle the way you want to move in the circle. So for the throwers, the weather was really, um, it was hot, but they don't care. You know, yeah. that part of it was like pretty perfect and they felt like, the wind was good and the temperature was good and everything was sort of right in order for them to have um, a really good performance. But it's it's different. You only get when you only get three chances, and just a little release can make something really different. That's a, a totally different experience than like Catherine, who has you know almost forty minutes yeah. <laughs> to like uh, you know put her whole performance out there versus seconds. So we've had some great distance runners here for women's track in recent years. Obviously, Jess Wilson, Catherine Cook. Now both have. Just graduated last year. Catherine's graduated now this year. Who's the next generation? Who are we looking for in cross country and track to keep this going? Well, we have um, a lot of people coming back in cross country, which is really exciting. So most of our top seven 
is coming back um, and I think they feel like really motivated and we've got a whole it feels so early to say this, but I'm working on it today. But we have a lot of incoming kids right. um, who are distance runners. That's really what we focused on this year. So we got a couple people that I think can do something right away and like a big sort of cluster of people that are um, definitely going to push everyone on the team to be better. Mm. So as odd as it sounds, like, I don't know, I just really shifted into like complete cross-country mode today. And <laughs> that's sort of my next task. And... Um, I know the team's really excited about it. And that feeds right into track, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So there's, and I'm, my assistant today or the other day said, oh, I need the, you know, incoming track emails to work on that thing. So I, I really realized today there's kind of only a week. Uh, this is the only week that we kind of don't tell them what to do. And beyond <laughs> that, you're just always um, coaching all year, really, when the kids are middle distance, distance runners. It's just the way it goes. And the same thing the track people they'll do their summer stuff starting you know in, in july and get after it all right jay harshman thanks so much thank you Facarini's fourth place finish in the discus throw on thursday makes him an all-american for the third time in his career he was in 13th place until a huge throw on his third attempt propelled him into the finals we will have more on Facarini and head coach al farashidian on GoBatesBobcats.com in the upcoming weeks the men's tennis duo of senior captain Ben Rosen and sophomore Jacob Coppola won their opening round match at the NCAA Doubles Championships in three sets, earning all America honors with the victory. They fell in the quarterfinals in three sets, but head coach Paul Gassengay could not be more proud of their performance. It's so competitive. Uh, you know, it's drastically changed in 10 years where, you know, there used to be maybe a match or two that you could have in a first round that was a, a little bit more manageable, but now, I mean, it's just so saturated with high-level talent that um, it's really anyone's tournament. It's who gets hot, and um, you just have to battle every match. So, um, unfortunately, Ben had a, a tough – he had to play the the fourth seed uh, from Pomona, who is a you know, very good player, and, and Ben can beat him. Uh, but it wasn't his day, and that kid went on to the quarterfinals. So, it's an exciting tournament because it's – high quality every single match so you have to be ready to go and he was it's uh it's just a tough tournament well and then the same day though he and jacob were able to team up and win their first round doubles match so it was great to see him bounce back like that wasn't it yeah it's pretty special when you have a first year team uh jacob and and ben you know were paired up for the first time and for them to you know go through that gauntlet of eight game set matches all year which is it's kind of a it's a it's a tough go because you have one bad match or one break of serve against the team that you shouldn't, and all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in when they only select you know three uh, from each region and then four at larges. It's you know with 16 teams in the country, it's very difficult to get in this draw out of the Northeast. So I was really pleased with making the tournament, and uh, you know I can't say enough about the way they fought and competed against that CMS team. It was a very solid team made up of this year's finalist, uh, who's a first year and last year's finalist. Wow. <laughs> who's a sophomore uh, in singles, but yeah. they're they're just excellent tennis players. So um, we battled hard and uh, can't say enough about, you know, Ben's leadership, uh, but as well, you know, got to mention uh, Jacob as a sophomore, first time at NCAA is just was pretty amazing and uh, competed really, really well. Yeah, it seemed like they really broke the will of that team from CMS there uh, in, the, in the third set, didn't they? They did. Um, 
Ben, uh, ben brought his serve and really uh, picked up the intensity, and we were all over the middle of the of the court. And there was a, a few really intense points that were were really uh, crazy all over the place. You know, quick reflexes at the net, recovering lobs, and surviving a couple overheads. And you know, there was a few of those that we came out on top, and I think that swayed the momentum in our favor. Seems like Jacob really thrives up by the net. Yeah, we've worked hard on his skills. Um, it's not necessarily something he had confidence in coming in last year, but we've been working a lot on his technique, and he's put a lot of time in, and he's really become an amazing volleyer. I mean, some of the, the balls he he made uh, on the first volley is tough at his feet. where he's Just phenomenal, and just point-blank stuff where the guy's hitting it, you know, 90 miles an hour right at him, he was able to, to handle. So, um yeah, pretty cool to see the hard work pay off. And this was Ben's first trip in doubles, at least, right? As a senior, that must have been pretty cool to see him get All-American in his first and last trip to, sing, to the doubles championships. Yeah, it was great. Um, I actually got a text from Chris Ellis mm-hmm. saying that, you know, geez, I, I couldn't get him there, and a sophomore did. And <laughs> uh, and I said, look, you know, you were a big part of his development as a doubles player, and he learned a lot from you. And But Ben, you know, was – his serve improved so much this year and just he's a force uh on the return game as well and you know together they they paired up to be just a a pretty athletic team and yeah it was it was special um it's like i said it's so tough to make this tournament uh for doubles especially and you know to to make it and then win a round against a tough opponent and be a couple points away from going through to the semifinals. it was yeah, they, they gave it all they had, but I'll have uh, flashbacks on that one for quite some time. Yeah, that that last match there against a pair from Wabash, I mean, they almost had that one, didn't they? Yeah, we, we started off uh, a little slow. They're a very good doubles team, uh, you know, straight-up doubles, big serves, big returns, uh, really solid at the net. They cross well, so... You know, you have to play really solid against a team like that. You can't you can't give them anything up high, and we were doing too much of that. We were we were giving them um, less aggressive balls, a little bit higher above the net, and they were just knocking them away. So, the adjustment we made, we talked about. Look, this is a simple game. Let's just get that ball down. I don't care where you hit it, but it's got to have energy. It's got to be low. And they did a really good job making that adjustment. We came storming back, and uh, you know, in the third, you know. We started off with a break, and you know we were we were doing really really well, but that team fought back too, and and uh, we had opportunities. That it just didn't go our way. I mean, we left some points on the table. And then so Ben, obviously his career now wrapped up. Looking back on it, I mean, you know, four All Americans, right? ITA plus NCAA. That's second most tied for second most in program history. I mean, one of the better players you've ever had, probably, right? Absolutely. Um, and we'll find out. He might still, you know, depending if he gets top 20 uh, ranking, uh, end of the year ranking, he could still be uh, an NCAA uh, uh, All-American uh, th- through the ITA rankings. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ben came into this program and just showed everyone how to work. And, you know, he wasn't a superstar, but he, he had determination and grit and effort and you know, he couldn't even play his first fall with us because he had a stress fracture in his back. He couldn't play in the summer, so we kind of brought him back slowly. And uh, for him to have a, a great first year uh, playing number five, mostly at, in singles, um, 
you know, was impressive based on, you know, where he was coming from and the injury he had. And then he just worked super hard. We talk about um, with recruits and with our players, like have the summer of Rosen, we call it. <laughs> and and basically just, you know, taking everything from freshman year, what he, whatever he learned, and just going to work. And he played tournaments all summer, um, trained, got stronger, uh, changed his nutrition habits, um, just like made a, a huge uh, physical difference. Um, he got stronger, he got faster, and every year he got better. So pretty special person. And then Jacob, only a sophomore. Are you already thinking about possible doubles combinations for the fall? <laughs> yeah, I'm racking my brain, but I'm trying to give myself a little break before I, I do that. But it, you can't help it. Um, yeah, we had several coaches come up and say, wow, who's this kid? And he's just a natural doubles player and just a phenomenal athlete. I mean, the stuff he did um, even surprised me at times. I've seen it throughout the year, but he just thrives in that environment. He loves the intensity of that event, and when the pressure was on, he he poured it on. He was great. Um, so I'm I'm super excited. You know, we have a very young team. His class is very strong. Uh, so like I told him, I said, this isn't, isn't your last time here. We'll be back in singles and doubles, um, you know, but – that's you know that's a, a an idea it's a goal but now everyone has to work yeah so uh super excited about the future um can't say enough about ben and what he did to you know uh, change our culture to uh, one of a, a work ethic and perseverance and just dedication you know he's just a uh, pretty special kid next time on the bates bobcast We'll recap the IRA National Championships. The men's rowing team is not expected to win. After all, they are facing boats with Olympic-level rowers from major universities. But we'll see just how many boats they can upset over three days in Mercer Lake, New Jersey. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates!